Okay, so today we'll take a look at chapter 31 of uh, Deuteronomy. So it's an interesting chapter because uh, we are coming to the end of uh, Deuteronomy. We have four more chapters left, and we are also coming to the end uh, of Moses' life. And we see the change of leadership uh, in this chapter going from Moses to Joshua. And we also see some of the final uh, exhortation that Moses gives uh, to the people of Israel, uh, including Joshua, then to the priests and also to everyone else. So we'll take a look at some of these, and we also see uh, God telling Moses to write a song, uh, which is actually given in chapter 32, and then we'll go from there. Okay, so we'll start with verses 1 to 6 uh, of chapter 31, uh, which is the message that Moses uh, is giving to the people of Israel. Okay, And it would be one of the final message that Moses is going to give, or final exhortation, final encouragement that he's going to give uh, to the Israelites and also to specific groups as we go through this chapter. Okay, so when we look at the life of Moses, uh, we see that he spent uh, 40 years uh, in the palace, and for 40 years uh, he was in exile uh, in the wilderness uh, as a shepherd, and that is when God calls him and brings him back and meets him at the burning bush, and he is chosen as the leader who will redeem uh, the people of Israel from Egypt, and then take them on a journey. And now he's come to the end of that 40-year period where he has come uh, to the border of promised land. And in the book of Deuteronomy, we have read uh, all of the teachings of Moses that he's passing on uh, to the second uh, generation. So in these verses, we see that Moses uh, recognizes that he's getting old. Uh, he says, uh, I cannot, I can no more go out and come in. So he's able to recognize uh, his physical weakness. And also he acknowledges that he will not be able to enter uh, the promised land. So even though he was very faithful to the Lord uh, in leading the people of Israel from Egypt uh, through the Red Sea and through the wilderness, uh, we know that God told him that he cannot uh, enter the promised land uh, because of one mistake that he made, which is when God told him to speak uh, to the rock uh, he struck the rock uh, in order to get water. So it seems like a very a small mistake uh, that he made. Uh, but as a leader of that group, God held him to a very high standard. And because of that uh, disobedience, uh, he was not uh, able to enter the promised land. And we saw that in verse uh, chapter 3, 25, uh, where Moses uh, pleads uh, with the Lord, I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan. But the Lord was wroth with me for your sake and would not hear me. And the Lord said unto me, let it suffice thee, uh, speak no more unto me of this matter. So that's a sad uh, turn of event uh, in the life of Moses. And we see that his prayer is not answered and he won't be able to see the promised land. But we see that Moses uh, is able to encourage uh, the people of Israel. Uh, he knows that he's going to die and the leadership uh, is going to change. But he tells uh, the people of Israel that the Lord will go before them just like he did before. And the Lord will fight for them uh, just like he fought for them before. And the Lord will not fail them just like uh, in the wilderness. Uh, he, the Lord never forsook them. Uh, he provided for all of their needs. So what we learn uh, from this uh, encouraging words is that when we are going through life, 
uh, the seasons may change, uh, the circumstances may change, but our God uh, does not change. So we should not be anxious uh, when the circumstances uh, change around us. Uh, there might be a change uh, in leadership. There might be a change uh, in different situations in our life. But our God uh, does not change. Uh, he remains uh, faithful. And that's a message that Moses uh, wanted to give uh, the children of Israel uh, before he died. And we read in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, For I am the Lord, I do not change. And again, in the New Testament, uh, we read a similar thought in Hebrews uh, 13 and verse 8. Uh, Jesus Christ uh, is the same uh, yesterday, today, and forever. So that's one of the wonderful attributes of God, that he does not change. Uh, we know that people change, the circumstances change, but we should hold on to God. We should hold on to his promises because they will not change and they will endure. So the same thing is true. Uh, we need to recognize that the success uh, of any ministry or any church uh, does not depend on one person. So there might be people who are very successful uh, in their ministry, like even people like uh, Billy Graham or Brother Buxing or Charles Stanley and so on. Uh, all of them were great uh, men of God, but still, even after their death, uh, we see that the ministry will continue and the church will continue uh, because that uh, belongs to the Lord and he is the one who uh, appoints people uh, in different situations and he can keep the church and ministry going uh, despite the change uh, in circumstances. And that also reminds us that we should not uh, glorify leaders, uh, no matter how successful uh, they might be. Uh, we should recognize that it is the Lord's work and he's the one who is building his work and building his kingdom. And that's the attitude that John the Baptist had. Uh, he said, uh, he must increase, but I must uh, decrease in John 3, uh, 30. So that's the uh, goal that John had, even though he was going to do great things, but his focus was that the Lord should increase and he must decrease. And Paul also exhorts us in 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 31, that whatsoever we do, uh, whether it's ministry or anything else, uh, at the end, the glory should go to God and not to any person or any church or any institution. When we go through the following verses, uh, they're a little bit out of sequence because we see uh, some repetition and to avoid uh, the duplication, uh, I've clubbed certain verses together. So we kind of do seven, eight, uh, 14 and 15 and 23. Which, and all of them talk about the message uh, that is given to Joshua from God and through Moses. Yeah, so this is an important section uh, in the book of Deuteronomy. So we see that the change of God or the change of leadership uh, for the people of Israel uh, is taking place uh, from Moses uh, to Joshua. And we also see that Joshua is being commissioned with a very specific uh, promise and also with a very specific goal that he would be able to enter uh, the promised land, he will be able to conquer it, and he'll be able to divide the land uh, among different uh, communities. And that is what we see when we go to the book of Joshua, the same promise uh, is reinforced. And we also read about the many victories that Joshua has, and he's able to conquer much of the promised land and divide it, uh, just like we read here. So 
As we read in 14 and 15, uh, Moses and Joshua are asked to present themselves uh, in the tabernacle and the Lord appears and he communicates uh, with them. So the message uh, is not coming from Moses, but we know that it is coming from the Lord. Uh, it is the Lord who appoint, met Moses at the burning bush and appointed him as the leader of Israel. And here again, we see that it is not Moses uh, who is appointing Joshua uh, as the leader, but the commission uh, is coming from the Lord uh, directly. And the, mess, the promise is also from the Lord. And the message uh, is that he should be strong and that God will be with him and God will enable him or Joshua to enter the promised land. So we see that uh, Joshua, maybe he was young, so he may, he may be feeling weak or he may feel that he is not competent uh, to lead the people of Israel, but the Lord is uh, giving him the strength. Uh, he is giving him the confidence that he can be strong because God's presence uh, will be with him and that God will enable him to enjoy the victories and conquer the land and enter the promised land. And that was uh, Moses' prayer. Uh, when we go to Exodus uh, 33, 15, uh, Moses uh, said unto the Lord, if thy presence go not with me, uh, carry us not up hence. And of course, God, uh, God obliged them then, and God's presence was with Moses. So Moses uh, recognized the value of God's presence. And here God was promising the same uh, to Joshua that he will be with him. And the same thing should be true uh, in our life. Uh, we should recognize uh, the value of God's presence, uh, which will give us the strength uh, that we need. And it will give us the victories uh, that we need in every situation of life. So we know that Moses uh, led uh, the people of Israel uh, faithfully for 40 years, uh, but the promise of the promised land uh, saw its fulfillment uh, through Joshua. So it may seem that uh, it is not fair that Moses was the one uh, who really labored. Moses was the one who uh, put up with the Israelites murmuring and complaining all the time. But the promise itself uh, is fulfilled through Joshua, who was uh, much uh, junior to Moses. So uh, that is how the Lord's work uh, happens. Uh, it is quite possible that we may be doing all the work, but someone else uh, may see the fruit. But that doesn't mean that we should stop doing the work. We should continue to remain faithful. And God, in his time, will bless the work, and we will see the fruit. So Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says, I have planted, uh, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So God is the one who gives the increase, and God is the one who gives the fruit at the appointed time, and God is the one who also fulfills the promise uh, at the appointed time. So obviously that is true. Uh, when we are preaching the gospel through Great Commission, uh, we might be doing all the labor, all the hard work, and someone else uh, coming after us, uh, they might be able to reap uh, the harvest uh, of souls. But that should not uh, discourage us, or that should not lead to jealousy or discontentment, uh, because we are doing God's work, uh, whether we see the fruit or we don't see the fruit, so long as we are in God's will. And in verses 9 through 13, and also 24 through 27, 
uh, we read uh, about the book uh, of the law, uh, which is essentially the book of Deuteronomy, where we are exposed to uh, the Ten Commandments and all the ordinances uh, regarding the feasts, and also all the civic laws and other laws that we read in the book of Deuteronomy. So we see the book uh, and we also see the charge that is given to the priests. Yeah, so in verse 9, we see the writing of the law. Moses uh, is writing the law in the scroll. And in verse 10 through 13, we see the charge that is given to the priests. And in verses 24 through 27, we see where the book, this book is placed and what is the purpose uh, for keeping it there. So we saw earlier in Deuteronomy 17 and 18, uh, when instructions were given to the kings, uh, one of the instructions was that they should write uh, a copy of the law uh, in a book uh, out of that which is before the priests, uh, the Levites. And Moses uh, here is asked to do the same. Uh, he is asked to write uh, the law and deliver it uh, to the priests or the Levites. And we also see that the book of law is placed uh, by the side of the ark. Uh, as a witness uh, against the Israelites. So the book of law uh, is the book of truth, or it would be the book of rules uh, by which the Israelites uh, would be judged. So in that sense, uh, it would be serving as a witness uh, against the Israelites because the Lord is uh, predicting that the Israelites will break the law and this book will be a witness against them that they are actually breaking the law. And we know from Exodus and also from Hebrews uh, that the tablets or the Ten Commandments were placed uh, inside the ark, but the book of law is placed beside the ark. And the charge uh, that is given to the priests is that they should read the book uh, publicly uh, at the end of every seven years, and they should read it in the place uh, where, the Lord, where the Lord shall choose. It's not a random place. But it's a place where people uh, come together. Uh, in this case, it's the Feast of Tabernacles. And the audience uh, is everyone that is there, which would be the men, the women, the children, and also the strangers. And we see the term uh, strangers uh, oftentimes in the book of Deuteronomy. So these are people who are not uh, Israelites, but they are part of that community. So they might be doing things for the people of Israel, or they are in that community, so it is opened up uh, to them also. And the main purpose uh, is that it's, uh, especially for the children uh, who have not heard the laws before. So the idea is that they might have been born uh, during that time and they may not have been exposed uh, to some of these teachings. So by reading the book of law, uh, every seven years, uh, they would hear the word, they would learn about the word uh, and the laws that were given and they would fear the Lord, uh, not uh, in a holy reverence, and they would learn to observe the laws, and by doing that, uh, they would be blessed. So in the same way, uh, the instructions were given to their fathers and, and forefathers, in the same way the instructions are given uh, to the children to do the same, and the laws have not changed, and God's expectations have not changed, and God's uh, provision of blessing has not changed. So the only way to enjoy the blessings in the promised land was by observing the laws or the commandments that the Lord had given. 
And uh, when we go to Second Chronicles 28 and in other places, uh, we see that the book of law uh, is actually read. And in during King Josiah's reign, uh, we see that the book of law is found. Uh, as we read in Second Chronicles 28 and 14, uh, it says, Hilkiah the priest uh, found a book of the law of the Lord uh, given by Moses. So in Deuteronomy, we saw that the book was kept uh, and here uh, the book is found. And in verse 18 of the same chapter, we see that the book uh, is read uh, by the scribe before the king or before King Josiah. And verse 19 says, and it came to pass when the king heard the words uh, of the law that he rent uh, his clothes. So all this time, uh, they were living in ignorance uh, of the law. And when the law is read, uh, we see that King Josiah recognizes uh, the sins uh, that he has committed or all the laws uh, that he has broken. So that, uh, that brings a conviction in his heart and we see that he is uh, repenting or he's sorrowful for the things that have happened. And verse uh, 25 uh, speaks about the book uh, as we saw before in Deuteronomy that it is kept to remind people that if they break the law, uh, it will be accompanied by punishment. But the punishment uh, is not universal. So we are always accountable for the sins uh, that we commit. Uh, we are not accountable for the sins of the family or the sins of the church, uh, even though it may impact us. But God is going to hold uh, each one of us accountable uh, for the sins that we commit. So since uh, King Josiah, uh, he was repentant. Uh, as we read further in the same chapter, we would see that God is uh, going to uh, pardon him and God will behold I will gather thee to thy fathers and thou shalt be gathered uh, to thy grave uh, in peace. So we see that the ending uh, is peaceful for someone who obeys the law but those who do not obey the law their end would be death and their end would be destruction uh, which is the end when we continue to live a life of sin. But since Josiah was, where it says in verse 27, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God, and because of that, uh, he is not going to be punished. Uh, we're not going to read this, but also when we come to the book of Joshua, we see that uh, the book is again read, uh, all the blessings and the curses that we read in the book of Deuteronomy. And the people of Israel are being reminded afresh uh, of the book of law. And again, when we come to Nehemiah, we again see that uh, Ezra the priest, he again uh, opens the book and he reads it uh, to the people in a way that they can understand so that uh, they are reminded of what God expects and what are the guidelines uh, he has set for them uh, to live in the promised land. And in verses 16 through 22 uh, and verse uh, 30, uh, we read about the introduction uh, to the sad uh, song of Moses. And the song itself uh, is captured uh, in chapter 32, which is a long chapter. But in chapter 31, uh, we are told what this uh, song is about and why it was written. So we generally like to sing uh, songs of happiness, songs that will lead to rejoicing. But here we see that God is uh, commanding Moses uh, to write a song 
which is essentially a verdict uh, on the people of Israel uh, when they break the laws, uh, what are the kinds of punishment or what types of chastisement uh, they can see in their life. So Moses uh, is teaching them this song so that they can continue to sing it. And as they are singing it, uh, when things go, uh, things don't go well uh, in their life, and when they see disasters and calamities, uh, they would be reminded that it is because uh, they are not keeping uh, the laws that God told them. So we talked about the book, uh, which was to be read uh, every seven years. Uh, so this is uh, something similar to that, where they are taught a song uh, to remind them about the consequences uh, of making uh, poor choices. So God, uh, God is able to see the end uh, from the beginning. So even though God gave them a set of laws, uh, which were easy to understand, they were easily accessible, as we saw last week. So there is no mystery about the laws uh, that were given to the people of Israel. Uh, so when they go against the law or when they disobey, uh, they are doing it uh, on their own will and not because of ignorance or not because uh, they don't understand. But God is able to see that a time will come. Uh, once Moses leaves, uh, they will fall into idolatry. They will start following other gods. And the reason for that is given to us in verse 20. Uh, when they are full and waxen fat, or when things are going really good and everything is comfortable, uh, they will tend to drift away uh, from God and his commandments. And we see the same thing in our lives uh, when things get comfortable and we don't have any problems. Uh, we also tend to go away from God. And the same pattern we see in the life of Israelites once they entered the promised land and all their needs uh, were taken care of, uh, they started chasing foreign gods and idolatry and they started falling into sin. And they forsook God and broke the covenant uh, that they made. And we see that God responds uh, in anger and he punishes them. And instead of the God will forsake them or God will leave them, uh, God will hide his face. So we know that uh, when we are living a life of sin, uh, God hides his face from us so that our prayers are ineffective. So we might be praying, but if there is sin in our life, we know that the sin will uh, hinder our prayers and we will also lose the communion of God and we would see that God has forsaken us. And we'll also start seeing defeats and uh, losses and suffering in our life uh, because God is angry and he's chastising us so that we can come back to him. And we also read that they would be victims of many evils and troubles uh, shall befall them. And they would recognize uh, that God's presence uh, is no longer with them. So we see that when God is uh, present uh, in our life, uh, we are able to enjoy peace. Uh, we are able to enjoy uh, happiness. We are able to enjoy contentment. And we are able to enjoy victories in our life. But when we choose to break God's laws or when we choose to commit sins, uh, we are chastised and we lose that communion and we lose all the blessings that are connected to having God's presence uh, in our life. So Moses is asked to write the song and teach it uh, to the children of Israel. And even after Moses is dead, uh, we would think that the children of Israel, since they have learned that song, they would be singing it 
uh, just like they would read the book uh, every seven years, or that is what they were told. And just like the book uh, was a witness uh, for God uh, against the children of Israel, uh, in the same way, the song will be a witness for God uh, against the children of Israel. Or in other words, uh, the song will prosecute the children of Israel uh, because the song will remind them of the consequences of breaking God's commandments. And finally, we come to verse uh, 28 and 29, uh, which is the message uh, to the elders and the officers. So we see that the sin is uh, pervasive uh, within the Israelites. Uh, it's not just the common people who are drifting away from God, uh, but God is saying that even the elders and those who are in leadership or those who are expected to uh, hold a higher standard, uh, they will also drift away uh, during those days. Heaven and earth are recording against them. So we know that uh, every dispute is settled with two or more witnesses. And in this case, the heavens and the earth are called as a witness to record uh, against the people of Israel uh, for the sins. So that's where uh, the chapter ends. Uh, so we saw uh, some of the same uh, messages uh, being repeated uh, to different groups. So Moses uh, is giving the final message uh, to Joshua, reminding him that God uh, will continue to go with him and God will continue to give him victory. Uh, so he should, he should be strong because God is going before him. So that is the secret uh, of our strength. And that is the secret of our victory, that God is uh, present uh, with us. And then we can enjoy all the blessings. And that is the charge that Moses is giving to Joshua, which is given by God himself. And we see the same message, similar message given to other groups. And we talked about the book, uh, which is the all the laws, which Moses was asked to write, uh, just like the kings were asked to write. And the book was placed uh, and read every seven years. And we ended with the song, which was again a sad song of the consequences of breaking God's laws. And uh, the song was supposed to be sung and remembered uh, when they go against God.